Hello, and welcome to the Road from Emmaus podcast. I'm Jason Lowe, joined by Andrew Chow, and we are two totally ordinary Catholic guys hoping to share our journeys. Like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, we've each encountered Christ in our lives. Join us as we talk about what comes next. On today's episode, we share about our experiences at GT20, a retreat we attended over the Labor Day weekend. We talk about what it's like being on the planning committee, about the lessons of humility that we've learned, and how we've tried to bring the theme of the retreat, intentional discipleship, into our day-to-day lives. Unfortunately, we did experience some technical difficulties with the audio towards the last 15 minutes of the episode, so please bear with us, and hopefully you'll still enjoy. So, Andrew, you started working out. I did. A week ago? Um, kind of on and off for the last month or so, actually. actually? Yeah. So, what happened? Um, so, I have a co-worker um, who gyms a lot, and, and we just started getting close, and he's just like, you should come gym, and I was like, okay. So, is it like around the corner or something? Or yeah, what? it's like a five-minute walk okay. from here. Yeah, good life. Solid. Okay, typical. Yeah. Do you get a um, discount through work? I do. Yeah, yeah. I am also... I've also started a workout routine. Oh, really? With, um, so I have a Nintendo Switch. Okay. And there's a game called Ring Fit Adventure. Okay. <laughs> I don't, have you heard of it? No. So basically, um, I'm just I'm just having like flashbacks to Wii Fit and like the Wii basically, Fit. Basically, <laughs> I mean, um, you get like so you get like it's like a Pilates ring or something, mm-hmm. and you slide in your Nintendo Switch Joy Cons, and then basically you go through this adventure where you um, you do exercises to like kill monsters and bosses. Sounds riveting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think your your workout routine is a little cooler. I, I mean, honestly, like we don't defeat any monsters, so <laughs> debatable. The 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 boss is named like I think yeah, his name is Drago. Okay. The monster is like the big. He looks like Satan, but anyway. Okay. Um, yeah. So, speaking of working out, <laughs> um, what really worked out was <laughs> a retreat we went to last weekend <laughs> called GT. Ah. Yeah, that's where I was going. Okay. Um, These are getting worse and worse. I know. <laughs> We're only three episodes in. They're, uh, they're, they're segues. Yeah, okay. I don't know if they're good, they but exist. they're segues. As long as it works. <laughs> so we went, to a, um, we went to a retreat last weekend, and it's something that we've been going to for, for, for you, five years, I think you said? Yeah, five years, yeah. I've been going for, this is my eighth time going, and it's it's something called GT, uh, which is the English shorthand for the Chinese nickname <laughs> for the real name, which is Eastern Canada Chinese Catholic Living Camp. Yeah. Or in Chinese, we just call it Gadong. Which is just Eastern Canada. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we get, well, that's why we call it GT. Mm. Um, yeah, it was interesting this year, just because uh, with, obviously with all the po- uh, COVID and pandemic stuff. Yeah, it was we had to have it online. Entirely different. It was a very different look and feel, but you know, uh, it was it was awesome that it still happened and, and it still happened in such a good way. Um, it was definitely so. I was part of the planning committee this year, mm-hmm. so it was definitely an interesting. Um, for yeah, for the first like four months or so, we were planning as if obviously it would be in person. The yeah. usual, we had a campsite booked and everything, and then and then March came and COVID nineteen came. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we really had to pivot there and try to figure out what would happen to this annual Labor Day camp that had been going on. It's been going on since 1977. So yeah, it's been a while. 43 years, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So good math. <laughs> Thanks. Better than me last time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 
yeah, no, for it to be online, I think it was a really interesting experience. And it was, it was really lovely just um, seeing that I think a lot of people still had, it still came away with um, a lot of fruits from the, from the weekend. It's actually like, if anything, it really singles out the reason why things work out, right? I think uh, it's really easy sometimes when, when you and I, we've, we've each planned different retreats over the years. Uh, wow, I sound old. But, um, but I think it's an, an easy temptation is to fall into thinking like, oh, it's because I'm so good at planning a retreat, right? Um, but then I think with things being this way, and basically the way we ran it, uh, or the way you guys ran it, I would imagine, like, in a lot of senses, it's kind of the way it just had to be run. It, it wasn't like you had a whole lot of wiggle room going on, right? Yeah. Um, but it still worked out in such a beautiful way, and it really just isolates the fact that, at the end of the day, it's God working, not us. So let's give a bit more background here. So you and I have both been part of the planning committee. Yes. So this year, basically how it works is uh, every year um, we go through a discernment process. So it's actually pretty special to um, spend a day or a half day actually uh, praying about whether or not you want to commit to this year-long journey. Yeah. Um, because that's what it is. Um, if you are on the planning committee, you're committing to 11 to... 11 plus months um, yeah. of planning this this Labor Day weekend retreat. Yeah, totally. So you were on the committee last year. Yeah. I, I was on the committee this year. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, how would you say your committee experience was for you? It was it was interesting. Um, so uh, just a bit more background about me. Like I, Growing up, I was always kind of comfortable in the spotlight, that kind of mm-hmm. a person. Um, and so being in, in situations of leadership was always something I was comfortable with. And so when I first joined this community, I had thought like, oh, just given my background, like, oh, it's going to be that like um, that I, I'll join leadership at some point. Yep. Um, and it really worked out in the sense that I was never able to go to that discernment day actually until the year that I actually joined committee. Yeah. Because looking back, um, I had to grow to a certain point before I was able to serve in the way that I needed to serve. Your first year was 2015 and you didn't join until 2019. Exactly. The, the yeah, committee, so. exactly. Um, and so that was already really great in terms of those four years of growth or whatever it was. Um, and then even past that, um, during the year itself, like the growth was, was unbelievable. Honestly, it was unlike anything that I could have imagined or could have planned for myself even. How would you say you grew the most? I think I grew the most in humility. Yeah. Um, it, it, it just, you know, being the same person with right? the person who's able to stand up in front of people and talk, um, pride has always been the biggest thing for yep. me. Right. Yeah. And so, um, it was, I think it's one of the founders of the Resurrectionists that gave this analogy, and it really described the lesson that I learned really well. He talks about um, a king um, from like the medieval times and yeah. how the kings had those crown jewels, like those massive, um, you know, jewel-encrusted gold crowns that are really, really heavy and really beautiful. Mm-hmm. So when they're traveling from town to town, they don't wear them because it's just too hard. Mm-hmm. So what happens is they are carried in some sort of um, a pedestal or whatever it's called, and then behind them, um, there would be a servant holding the crown jewels on a velvet pillow. Okay. And so the townspeople, they would see the crown jewels and how beautiful it is. And they'd all be like, ooh-ahing and ooing and, and being like, wow, that's so beautiful. And then what the, this uh, founder said, I don't remember his name, but he said is the fool would be a bit of, or the servant would be a fool to think that they're looking at him. Mm-hmm. And so it was the same way for me as like, realizing that the things that were coming through were the gifts that are given to me by God. And if I were to take credit for it, I'm a bit of a fool because yeah. these are gifts given to me by God that I'm just holding on to for him. I don't know if you... So I'll talk about a bit about myself as well. Just um, my parents were part of the generation that like founded this whole Labor Day weekend retreat. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's been huge just um, hearing about their stories and how they, how they came to be Chinese Catholics and yeah. 
you know, as immigrants as well and everything. And so hearing that growing up my entire life, it was kind of like, yeah, I definitely, I did think at some point in my life that I was probably going to be committee. Mm-hmm. Um, this was earlier on and it, you know, talking about pride and humility, um, I definitely thought like, you know, oh, maybe I'm born into it kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. Kind of weird. It's just a ministry, but, um, <laughs> it's your inheritance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you and I have both talked about this before where um, humility isn't exactly either of our strongest suits. Yeah. Um, humility is actually in my Chinese name, so it's something that I constantly am reminded that I'm called to. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, I, I, I'm similar to where I'm not nearly as comfortable in the spotlight as you are, but I would still say that I'm relatively comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that kind of mindset for a long time, uh, yeah, made me think that, like, oh, like, I... The leadership positions on, you know, ministry um, and things like that are well suited for me. Sure. Um, and I think there's a difference between recognizing where your strengths are versus just thinking that you're like you're you deserve something or yeah. that you've as you said that you've inherited something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I think both of us we had the same lesson there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and overall it was a really humbling experience um, going in going into committee because I, I think it's really easy to go into this type of a ministry kind of guns blazing being like oh like i'm going to change the world um but really you know you, you got to be able to i think take a step back and, and know kind of why you're doing it because i think um yeah i think a lot of people see through it when it's just i want things to happen so i can leave my mark and then that's that's kind of it compared to I see potential for this community and that's something that, that I, I want to help everyone else see as well, right? Like, can everyone see what I'm seeing? Is this the right thing, yeah. right? And that kind of that kind of conversation. Um, because necessarily, if it is the right way to go, then other people need to be on board, which kind of isn't up to you, mm-hmm. right? And I think that that was another really humbling part of the experience for me. So let's take that step back. Um, why did you want to do committee? Yeah, um, so I think in particular, kind of growing up through this community, um, what I saw was was a really, really kind of strong group of people who really uh, hungered for God, mm-hmm. right? And what the, I guess the program had been for, for years leading up to the year that I was in committee had been kind of exploring different areas and different topics, mm-hmm. which were all in and of themselves good, but might not have been as connected as um, as I thought that there was a potential for. Yeah. So that's where um, I really felt um, a drive to see how can we stitch together in this community these themes that we have, because every year there's a different theme. How can we make the, these themes, rather than, rather than being whatever's the most relevant for that year's committee, mm-hmm. how can we make it something that is pointed towards growth for the community? Mm-hmm. How can we make it something that builds on itself so that we are not no longer just a community that learns things together, but a community that grows together. I think. So we've tried to do that. Uh, GT, like, so three years ago, GT 18, mm-hmm. um, Upon This Rock was about having a solid foundation of yep. prayer and just for your faith life. Last year we talked about Ignatian spirituality. spirituality. Yeah. So it was about giving those tools to how you can um, uh, advance your faith life and, exactly. and progress in it. And this year our theme was um, about intentional discipleship. Yeah. And so it was, you know, you've, you've got the bedrock, you've got the tools, and now it's how do you walk that path? path of day-to-day life where you're it's not just about the highs and the lows or the the valleys and 
whatever. It's, yes, thank you. Yeah. Um, it's about the ordinariness yeah. and how do you find God within that? Absolutely, and and that really speaks to our podcast yes. as well. Yeah. In terms of us kind of going through those those periods, so I think it's really fitting that we're able to talk about this now, coming out of this retreat, where presumably both of us are having we're in that period where you would have that spiritual high i guess like how do you feel do you feel like you're in that kind of spiritual high mode right now it's interesting so yeah i mean even after this retreat being online i i I have to admit cards on the table that going into the retreat i didn't i didn't really think that i would be like i guess coming out of it particularly attached and to describe that to people who may not have been to these kinds of retreats before uh, yeah, the typical formula is you spend, you know, two or three days with all these friends and you go to things like adoration and you cry your eyes out and you go to praise and worship and you pray your hearts out and sing your hearts out and you come out of it like, you know, you made all these new friends and it, yeah. it truly is a wonderful experience um, and a very fruitful experience. And that's usually how the in-person retreat goes uh, for most people. But with this whole thing being done over video conferencing, I really wasn't sure that I would come out of it feeling the same way. Yeah, I won't say that I, f- I came out of it feeling this, um, all these feelings with the same amount of strength, but there was really a moment, because we, we wrapped up our retreat with praise and worship, and yeah. there was a moment towards the end where, yeah, I actually did kind of choke up a bit, and just kind of thinking about, um, you know, whether it was the work that, that was put into it from, whether it was from the planning committee, whether it was from all of our working team volunteers. Yeah. Um, it was that. And it was also seeing, I think, most of all, God working through our technology, sure. which is not something I would have necessarily thought about as much before, before mm-hmm. COVID. Um, and just seeing that people still came away, uh, you know, with, with fruit from this retreat. Yeah. And similarly for me, it, it was, um, I, I definitely know that I came away. Uh, with fruit and so seeing all of that um being able to experience those kinds of same emotions mm-hmm. um you know that quote-unquote post-retreat hangover might not be this might not be as strong as before mm-hmm. but it was a lot i felt a lot more attached to the retreat than i thought i would for sure yeah that's that's interesting um talk a little bit about because i know um the first night there were some tech difficulties yeah. there there were things that kind of came up that kind of threw you for a loop yeah all right talk yeah. about that a bit it was really stressful um so with this this whole thing with our first time doing it online, mm-hmm. obviously it required a lot of um, understanding the nuances of how our video conferencing software and, worked. And what are our numbers, just so people kind of get a scale? Uh, we had 150 people register. Mm-hmm. I would say over the weekend, about 110 came sure. um, consistently. But yeah, over 100 people. And yeah, so you know, having to understand the nuances of the software, um, understanding things like the breakout rooms function and, and all those things. Mm-hmm. And so on the first night, uh, what happened? Yeah, so we needed to do breakout rooms for just for an icebreaker kind of yeah. thing. And long story short, it didn't work out as planned. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I had like six people messaging me at the same time being like, the, 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 the groups aren't what they're supposed to be or things like that. And I was like, I know, I know, we're trying to figure it out. And obviously when you're in that moment, it's kind of like um, time, like, it just zooms in and, and you're stuck in that moment and every mm. minute feels like an hour kind of thing, yeah. right? And so, uh, you know, we're trying, me and multimedia team, um, shout out to that one person, <laughs> literally a one person team, um, we're trying to figure it out on the side and everything. Um, and yeah, it was stressful. Um, and obviously by the end of it, we managed to figure it out. Um, and you know, it, first night, first time doing this whole thing, it comes with its, um, with its issues and things like that. That's, yeah. that's to be expected. But I think, for me, being someone who is um, so logistically oriented, mm. um, that's something I 
like to think I'm, I'm on top of, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's something I try to plan for and things like that. So when it all kind of hit, when, you know, five to ten people were messaging me at the same time, mm-hmm. I remember I literally had to message our group chat. Yeah. And I was literally like, hey, if you guys don't have anything urgent, can you just not message? Like, I was really terse. And yeah. You know, I, I'm not like that. Yeah, right? yeah. And so, uh, yeah. I, I think I was in the middle typing a message, actually. I, probably. And then I was just like, hit backspace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, my apologies. No, no. Yeah. Um, so, long story short, I was really stressed. And I remember uh, coming out. It was uh, Friday night. It was just a three-hour thing, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we just came out of it. And I remember just thinking and reflecting a bit and just being like, hey, like I probably need to chill a bit. Yeah. Um, so I, I managed to take that night to decompress um, and look forward to the, to the next day because at least for the next day, it was a full day. Mm-hmm. And I would um, committee and I had also arranged to meet in person yeah. uh, for the full day, which I was really looking forward to just to be able to see them in person after not getting much in-person contact. So sure. that brought me some comfort for Friday night. Uh, but I found um, Saturday morning, literally when I was waking up or when I was showering, like all of those thoughts kind of came rushing back, just like worrying about the logistical stuff and um, the, the same feelings of like being concerned and stress and anxiety and things like that. Uh, again, which is not characteristic for me. Um, so I remember just like having to stop and pray, of, yeah. like just saying like, hey God, like, I know this, I think because this is so uncharacteristic for me, it was easy for me to filter out that this was not something that I should be feeling kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I was just praying like, hey God, um, I think the solution here is pretty simple. Like I need to let go and not worry so much about mm-hmm. all of these logistical things because ultimately we can try our best to get our plans in order and everything. Uh, but ultimately it's God that that plants the seeds and, yeah. and that's where all the fruit comes from. So it doesn't matter if it's online. It doesn't matter if it's in person. It doesn't matter if I forget like about a breakout room or some kind of inventory item. Sure. Like God will take care of it in the end. So uh, after that prayer, uh, honestly, uh, by God's grace, I was a lot more relaxed, and thankfully, the rest of the day went pretty well. So yeah, yeah. It's actually really interesting too for me because um, this is a lesson that I learned through a couple retreats that 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 had been run previously. Um, because I think one of the first retreats that I'd run. Um, with a good friend of mine, um, we kind of went in thinking that everything was going to work out a certain way. Um, and I think honestly, by grace, um, my mindset, my mindset shifted Mm -hmm. going into the retreat, not, not as a decision, but just for whatever reason, right? So by God's grace, um, to realize that, um, when going into retreats, particularly from an organizational standpoint, um, once you get to like the start point of the retreat, it, it doesn't matter what you've done anymore, um, because yeah. it really it turns into how many opportunities can I give for people to connect with God, and then God will do the rest, right? Um, and so I think that was a really important lesson for me, and one that I think a lot of people in ministry need to learn: mm-hmm. be being able to um, definitely put your best foot forward, definitely do your best in terms yeah. of planning everything. Yeah. It's not to say like, look, just do whatever, and then God will make it work. Yeah. Um, do your best, but then once you get to the start point, realize that you have done your best. Yeah. And then it's really, it's much less about you at that point. It's crazy. You, um, this applies to both you and me, but I've been involved in so many ministries, so mm-hmm. much planning, uh, altar serving when I was a teenager, um, university stuff, yeah. uh, stuff with our local parishes, World Youth Day. I've, I've been part of planning all of those things, and you would think that um, having so much 
so many reps doing that yeah. would help with this kind of thing. And I mean, I, I would say yes, it, it did, but it still came back to me, yeah. right? For sure. So that was definitely pretty interesting. Yeah. I, I can talk a little bit about my experience too, yeah. go, uh, from coming out of this retreat. I actually, I, I feel like um, I'm not coming out with as much of that high that I normally do from retreats. Yeah. And I think that part of the reason why is that the topic that came up yeah. is something that speaks so much to basically what I've been trying to practice for the last like eight months. Mm-hmm. Um, and so coming into the retreat and sharing with other people felt a lot more like like an open house. Like saying like, hey, great that people are, you guys are coming on board. This is what it looks like for me. What's it going to look like for you? And then kind of coming out of the retreat then, it's been a lot more of, okay, let, let's keep it going. As opposed to... I was literally just writing, keep it going. <laughs> um, as opposed to as opposed to feeling like, oh, like this is so amazing. And what am I going to do with this? Um, and so like props to you guys that like it's clear enough like where where you're going or where we're going from it in terms of coming out of it but I think that's really interesting because um, yeah a lot of times you come out of retreats and you're like wow that thing Scott Hahn said was great yeah and then like hard stop <laughs> yeah, that's it right um, and, and in this this sense I think um, it was a lot clearer about what am I supposed to do with all of this I guess um, it's so there's nothing wrong with the spiritual high, yeah. right? It's it's reaffirming, it's inspiring. Yeah. Truly, it's it's the Holy Spirit at work, really. Yeah. But I think people coming out of retreats often truly need to realize what you were saying and what I was literally just writing as you were saying it was you have to keep it going. Mm-hmm. And that was the whole theme of our intentional discipleship. Uh, sorry, the whole point of our intentional discipleship theme. Yeah. Where, you know, a lot of what we were saying was you need to find ways where so often, so much of our spiritual life is focused on those hills and valleys, um, on those ups and downs and the highs and lows. Yeah. We talk about like, and I, I know I said this during the retreat as well, but we talk about using imagery like um, the desert and going through the desert and, you know, having to wade through oceans and whatever. Yeah. As, an, as I'm just going to stop you right there yeah, for a yeah, second. Yeah. This is something that if anyone's been to enough retreats with Jason, like this actually comes up a lot because his favorite praise and worship song is called Desert Song. It um, is. And <laughs> it's still on my playlist. <laughs> So, so just keep in mind here, this isn't just like some like people talk about deserts, like Jason talks about deserts. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure I've talked about this many times before. (laughs) Uh, But so much of our spiritual and prayer life is just, um, it's recognizing that it's just ordinary. Like our life, our lives can just be ordinary. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that. There's, there's a lot of beauty in finding that normalness, that normalcy, I guess. Yeah. Um, And and being able to still develop your relationship with Christ through those things. Uh, It's, um, it's something that, so one of our seminarian friends um, mentioned that this came out from one of his professors in seminary. Um, They're talking about uh, when we take a look at the saints and how we often hear about what he calls the super saints, mm. right? The St. Augustine, mm, St. Ignatius nice. Loyola, and these people who have done like amazing things, the doctors of the church. And like, I think one thing to notice is that there are only a few doctors of the church and there are many, many saints. Yeah. So most of the saints are what you would call ordinary saints. And a lot of times I think um, for us as ordinary Catholics, we need to be looking towards those more ordinary saints, right? Um, and to be able to, under- to understand kind of what happened there. Um, it's people like... Um, um, blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati, right? where he, um, you know, he's mentioned a lot, um, not necessarily because he did amazing work. So mm-hmm. it's not that he uh, performed miracles in his life. It's not that you know there was like bilocation or anything like that, right? Um, he was a very simple guy. He cared for the poor, and he made sure to never miss Sunday mass. Yeah, that those were like those were like the highlights, 
right? Like he loved to go hiking, but he wouldn't go on a hike if it meant that he would miss Sunday mass, like, right? Um, and you know what? That's pretty achievable. Yeah. <laughs> as uh, as a normal Catholic today, it's pretty achievable to just make sure make sure I don't miss Sunday mass. So I think that that kind of ties into this too. Right? Yeah. Like, do we just look at those super saints? Um, or do we look at the regular saints as well? Yeah, so much of the time we we definitely just think that sainthood is something that's unachievable. Mm. And yeah, it's a high bar for sure. But it's also a bar that we are called to. And if we if God didn't think we could achieve it, then he wouldn't have set it for us in the first place, right? Yeah. Um, so that's that's beautiful, just, just realizing that there are, you know, real life saint models for us to uh, model, our, model our lives after and realize that it's actually attain, attainable, right? Yeah, definitely. You don't definitely. have to be a martyr. You don't have to. I mean, you can. Uh, you know, we should we should still strive to uh, have that level of, of, of belief, but mm-hmm. um, it's not the only path. Yeah, yeah. So what else? What else did you take away from this past weekend? Um, I, I think um, another great thing was just seeing how um, different priests have their own ways of connecting with different things that happen. Um, so it's interesting. So we had four, five priests yes oh goodness i can tell you we had 13 workshop speakers i think like five is a decent number of uh, yeah yeah how many priests we had? give or, or take six. give yeah. or take we had five priests or so yeah um and um they all have their own kind of spiritualities or they all have their own ways of approaching the faith and and i think it was particularly interesting to see you know our main our main speaker who was father eric ma mm-hmm. uh, and the way that he approached things and he the way that he explains things compared to um uh, Father Kevin Belgrave, who gave mm-hmm. he has some great talks, um, and their different styles. I think that was also particularly interesting to see, because um, I think uh, on the same kind of token of like talking about the super saints and the ordinary saints, um, oftentimes we can think of priests that way too. Mm-hmm. They went to seminary, so like they like have been like put into this mold, and they're all the same. Like really, they aren't. And I think anyone who's been in, through a boring homily knows that. But um, yeah, it's. Um, it's particularly interesting to see the ones who are passionate enough to come and join these types of retreats and give workshop talks, yeah. which actually take a lot of time to see how there's still different flavors therein. Um, shout out to Father David Purcell too uh, on that topic because he's someone who keeps coming back to our GT retreats like yeah. year after year after year, which to me is like, I, first of all, I don't know, know why. There must be something about our community that he really enjoys, but mm-hmm. thankfully, uh, just because he's there to guide us and, and to give us guidance. And obviously, Father Francis, our, our spiritual director as well um for for gt uh yeah no i think you're totally right just seeing that there are so many different ways to live out discipleship right Mm -hmm. um father eric's talks just to quickly talk about it because i think the way he structured how he broke down discipleship is such a perfect way in terms of like almost the pillars that you need sure so that being habits of relationship where how, how can you develop good habits with the people around you to help you point your own relationship with uh towards christ right mm-hmm. your point your own soul towards christ um habits of prayer um something that you and i have been working on where it's kind of like how are you developing your own prayer life mm-hmm. um to make sure that you are um, having good routines and um constantly inviting god into your day yeah um which i think is if anything potentially the biggest uh the most practical and relevant talk potentially for uh our intentional discipleship theme because um habits of relationship the other one was habits of evangelization another one he gave was habits of living the sacramental life Mm -hmm. uh but 
the prayer is something you can do in your own room, something you can do in the middle of the day, in the beginning of the day. That's how you speak with God. Yeah. Um, and that's how you can constantly keep up your discipleship. I think it's even beyond that. That's the foundation upon which the rest of it comes. Yeah. Um, it, it's like so many different people talk about this in different ways. Um, from my own story, um, I think at, at the first GT that I went to, GT 15, I went and talked to a priest. Um, and I've been talking about it. I might have mentioned this in a, different, in a previous pod, but anyways... Um, I, when I was talking to him about how, like, oh, I love the faith because there's so many different ways you can connect to the faith. And for me, it's just knowledge. And he just challenged me in such a kind and, and direct way. He said, well, when was the last time you prayed? And I was like, what do you mean? And he just said to me, how can Jesus be your best friend if you don't talk to him? Mm. And I was like, wow, like that, that says so much. Yeah. Um, and I think it, it's really interesting, too, because um, whenever we start thinking about prayer, uh, I think one of the things that we can fall into is not knowing enough about what is actually going on. So, you know, it's one thing to say that I need to pray more often. It's another thing to know how I'm going to pray more often. Yeah. I think Father Eric did a great job of breaking that down. Um, and, and another really great resource um, is Bishop Barron's video on the metaphysics of, metaphysics of prayer. It sounds big. It is big. Um, but one of the really cool things that I took away from that, I really hope it's from that video. It's one of his videos. <laughs> um, is uh, when he was talking about how he envisions the holy spirit or the the trinity when he prays so he says when i'm praying and in particular when he's in his uh holy hour his hour of adoration in the morning mm-hmm. uh, what he does what he imagines is jesus with his arm around the bishop um praying to the father through the holy spirit and basically what he says wow. is no matter when and how you pray that's always the case yeah you can call on the holy spirit to particularly focus on that but Jesus is still with you, whether you called on him or not. And the prayers are going to the Father, whether you meant it to, to or not. Mm-hmm. Call on the Father, call on the That's Son. That's beautiful. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Right? And I think that that really helped me too, in terms of like, okay, what's really going on with this prayer? And to have that image in my head really helps me. Um, I just checked. We had seven priests, oh. which is pretty good. Really good, actually. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I, it, was, it was definitely an interesting weekend. Um, and I think just hearing even, you know, the short testimonies and feedback from people, just knowing that um, we were able to uh, be be a conduit for, for God to reach so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that in itself was a really humbling experience too. I think one of the biggest things in ministry is just um, understanding your role as a servant mm. because it's sort of like the bigger your role almost, um, the more called towards... Um, giving things up and, yeah. and service you are. Totally. Um, there's a great book on that. Um, in the name of Jesus by Father Henry Nowen, Nguyen, however you I know. learned over the weekend that it's pronounced Nowen. Okay. So. Father Henry Nowen yeah. uh, has a great book called In the Name of Jesus. It's a hundred pages long, uh, super short. Um, and what it talks about is, partic- is exactly that. What is Christian leadership? Um, and um, yeah, he, he, uh, he really breaks it down in a beautiful way. He uses um, Jesus' temptations in the desert as mm-hmm. frameworks for uh, common temptations of lead- Christian leaders and how to combat them through prayer. Interesting. Um, so anyone's listening, check that out if you're, if you're interested in kind of getting a snapshot into not only just how Jason and I are talking about what this might be, but even what the challenge is. Because I think for both of us too, there's still lots of lessons here in terms of us growing into better Christian leaders. Yeah. So that was the GT20 weekend. Yeah. Um, it's it's interesting. Yeah, just, I, I, we're, we're not even a week removed, right? Oh. Um, but it's, it, it's 
what a blessing to be able to see all the fruits that came out of it. Yeah. Um, do you have anything to add that you want to talk about? Or? Um, I, I, I wanted to ask you a question. Yeah, go for um, it. So I found it really interesting because, um, and this might touch on something we already t- talked about earlier, but um, years ago I asked you if you were mm. going to do um, committee. Yeah. Um, just purely because like, you yeah. were a leader that I looked up to and you were like, probably not. <laughs> and and then here we go. And this, this past year you did it. So. Yeah. How did that happen? It's interesting because even at the beginning of the pod, I was like, oh yeah, I, I had a point in my life when I thought I would be, I was like born into it kind of thing. Yeah. Um, no, I, my mind definitely flipped a, a bit over the years. Mm-hmm. What I would say is um, there was a point where I think I didn't understand ministry properly. Sure. Where um, I think I was going through, I don't know if it was a, maybe conversion of heart is too deep of a term for it. Um, but I thought that um too much about too much of the whole um focus was about the people yeah and for me i i didn't want to be a part of that but i think i was looking at it the wrong way because i was looking at it from kind of a prideful perspective yeah where um you know me coming from my high horse of thinking that um this was something that I could always, I could always have done. That I could do well, um, and that I would perform well in. Mm. I think that put the wrong lens on me. Where, if anything, it wasn't that it was about the people. It was that I just made it about myself. And then every time I looked at it, I was like, "This is how I would have done it." Kind of thing. Yeah. Over the years, um, you know, picking out lessons of humility, um, and also just learning about what it means to be a servant of God mm-hmm. within the context of ministry life. I think truly opened my eyes towards recognizing people for their gifts and how people fit together as part of a big puzzle. This was something that uh, our committee shared um, during our committee sharing on on uh, on Saturday night. Uh, So for context, every year uh, we have this campfire thing where the planning committee kind of just gets together and talks about their year-long experience. And so something that we shared about was just how all six of us kind of fit together like a big puzzle piece. And I think, you know, it's, it's a bit of a cliche, but I think it's true because um, the, the best work is done when you kind of just, for the most part, stay in your lane um, and use the gifts and talents and strengths that God gave you yeah. and offer that up towards whatever ministry you're working towards. The parts for growth are where you step out of your comfort zone and you rely on the people around you yeah. uh, to help build you up, to help work on those weaknesses that you might have. And then, and I think that's something all six of us fully embraced, um, where, you know, we, we understood each other's strengths. And so we just played off of that. So that being said, what, where I'm getting at with that is, um, five years ago, I might've said like, Hey, like, this is my team. This is how I would run things, that kind of thing. But really a team is a team. There isn't, there isn't my team or anything like that. Um, and I think understanding that God calls us all to serve in, in our own way. And for me to take a much smaller role than I was like imagining for myself yeah. unfairly, um, helped change a lot of my mindset for that. Yeah. It's, it's funny because I think that same lesson translated for me this year. So, um, you mentioned working teams. So working teams just uh, in general are kind of the volunteers that we have to help run the the 
Uh, the nuts and the bolts. Yeah, the, the different parts of the program. So like, there's program team, art team, music team, liturgy team, all of these, so many different things. I was like, man, are you gonna try this all? No, we're not. Anyways, yeah. um, there, there's a whole bunch of different uh, areas of the retreat that, as you can imagine, and we have different groups that help run these things. And this year, I had the privilege of being able to help run uh, one of the teams, which was focused on. Um, we called it this year leadership formation, but uh, but in previous years, this had, this had been um, run on uh, group leadership. So basically it was like, oh, let's make sure we're actually giving our group leaders the skills that they need to run groups. Um, and let's, let's really focus in on that. So um, actually, you wouldn't know this, but last year I had really wanted to be the committee member who was a part of the group leader um, kind of team, right? The yeah. team to, to, to help these people with these skills. Um, and I, I was actually pretty bummed that I wasn't the one. Mm. Right? I had let everyone go first, and then I was like, oh, wait, I wanted that. And then, mm. whatever, right? So, so things kind of came out of that. But what a blessing, because I would have done exactly that if, if I was in that team. Fair I would have been like, this is how I think it should be run or whatever. And you and I probably wouldn't be friends anymore. Yeah, um, I agree. Because <laughs> um, Jason ran that last year. Um, so it was kind of a reversal of roles this year where I took over um, together with Kevin. So Kevin took over and he invited me to help him. Um, and it was really interesting because um, I, I guess like, it let me take that step back and, and focus in on like what's the point of this really yeah um and when once i took that step back then it was a lot easier um for me to be hands-off particularly because kevin you know um shout out to kevin he really stepped up and took up a lot of those areas that i might not be as strong in mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, i think because he recognized that like the reason why he had invited me to be a part of the team was because there's a particular charism a particular gift from god um, that allows me to help drive groups in, in direction sometimes. Yeah. And that was something that I think he saw this group in particular with this group leader leadership formation team needed. And so he, you know, as a great example of humility, really invited me to come on board and then took the supporting role. Um, and so this year I was able to kind of do that where I, I uh, helped out with pointing in a direction and then just kind of took a backseat from there um, and let things happen as they, as they had to happen. And so it's been, it's been extremely providential uh, going through it. I'm sure the same experience for you going through GT as well, um, where like, honestly, if I compare this so in 2016, I did run a team. Mm -hmm. uh, I ran the program team that year and it's just night and day in terms of the way it was run. Uh, that would have been more of your typical, I guess, like secular um, team mm -hmm. where it was, you know, you know, me cracking the whip and me like this thing right. to be this way. And then this year is much more of like, hey, this seems like a good direction. Who wants to wants to be part of it? It's funny you mentioned Kevin and I don't want to shout him out too much or pump his tires too much, but so as you mentioned, I ran the team last year, uh, the group leader team as it was called back then. And uh, he was also on planning committee with you yeah. last year. And so he was the one who ended up um, having the misfortune of working with me. Yeah. Um and he did the same thing. I think he's like we talk about service within and, and within ministry life, and he just knew how to fill the cracks. Yeah. Um, he understood my own charisms, my own strengths and weaknesses, and he just did the rest. Yeah. Right? And I think that's so beautiful. It's such a beautiful representation of what we are called to within ministry. Yeah. And I, I think, honestly speaking, you know, we talk about all these lessons that we come through, um, and so much of it, I feel like, comes back to our own growth in prayer life. Mm -hmm. um, because... You know, uh, another thing that Bishop Barron talks about, I, I think, in in one of his videos, just watch them all, guys. He talked, he's been talking for years. Like, I'm sure even if he threw something out there, he probably, yeah, he probably did. 
And one of the things we talked about with prayer is that um, and kind of this idea that like prayer isn't always about, or isn't really about getting God to change for you. Right? God is the constant. We're the ones that change. So then with prayer, oftentimes what we're really doing is we are better aligning ourselves to God so we can kind of recognize the graces that are operating in our lives. And I feel like if you and I hadn't grown in our prayer life, then we wouldn't have been able to come across these lessons oh, yeah. together. Um, and, and so it's kind of a combination of like, you know what, sometimes like you, you kind of, and this is going to be a theme that we, we keep going through, you kind of just truck through the prayer, even if you're not really getting much out of it right yeah. now. You know, just keep going because you trust the process, right? You know that this is going to be in a certain direction. Like there, there is a point, um, and then the lessons come through, and then you look back and you and you almost think to yourself like, "Oh man, I grew, I grew so much yesterday." And I was like, "No, well, like you've been going for the last two years. Mm-hmm. Yesterday is when you grew enough to realize how much you grow." It sounds kind of weird, but um, yeah, I, I'm I'm dragging on now. But the point here is that. Um, We've talked a lot about lessons that we've learned over the course of the ministry. And we've talked a lot about like different things that we've done about it. Um, but I think the the thing to never forget is that the prayer life has really been what's informed all of this. Yeah. And just quickly, the prayer life supplemented by sacramental life. Yeah. Like just to call back to Father Eric's talks, right? Just making sure you're doing things like going to Mass every Sunday, which is in a way, it's kind of the basic, um, you know, the, the minimal. Yeah. Uh, but also going to adoration to spend time with Jesus in prayer. Mm-hmm. Um going to confession to make sure that your, your relationship is constantly um, in, in a good state, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we both talked about Kevin, who is just one person who has formed our own our own spiritual life. Yeah. And so that's habits of relationship, right? Yeah. Um, how are we interacting with these people such that we can bring them closer to Christ, but also they're definitely bringing us closer to Christ. Absolutely. And then habits of evangelization, I can never get that out in one try. Um, you know, something like this podcast or sharing with other people around you, um, whether it doesn't have to be on a medium like this, but just being a witness to your own, your own uh, prayer life and spiritual life and how God has worked through you has, um, that has its own effect, right? On, mm-hmm. on the people that you, you bear witness to. Absolutely. So I think that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you want to hear more terrible segues, the, 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 um, the other thing I was going to do was, I had researched the history of Labor Day, okay, and then I was going to try to like segue from Labor Day into Labor Day. Weekend. Man, like I'm going to need to start helping out now. <laughs> <laughs> people, the people are here for those segues. Um, hey, listen. Uh, so we went a bit longer than usual, but uh, we really appreciate you guys listening today. Um, if you went to GT20, you know, hopefully this was a good takeaway recap kind of episode. If not, um, you know, maybe you'll find something within your own ministries that you volunteer at, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if you don't volunteer at mini- or volunteer with ministries, um, there's something about just being a servant of God that is applicable to everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, we will, or you'll hear from us next time. Um, and thank you guys again for listening. See you next time, everyone.